Welcome back to episode 15 of PK's Place. I hope everyone has had a fantastic weekend. Hopefully, hopefully did a lot of fun things. Um, something I guess I wanted to start with that's rather interesting, or at least that happened was, obviously for those that are unfamiliar with what happened in the hockey world, what happened in the Ukrainian league was was there was a player there was a player who made a racist remark I will pull up his name right now but he basically if you, you saw the clip he made the peeling of a banana toward an African-American player and it's just sick it made me sick to my stomach to see that the fact that anyone and I'm serious anyone gets upset enough that they would need to do that is disgusting it's it's sick out of my mind. And it was Andre, it was Andre Dennis, Deniskin who made that mark toward Jalen Smerick, who's American from Detroit, I believe. And it's, it's disgusting. It's pathetic. I, I can't believe someone, a human being would actually do that to another. That's bad. That's awful. And the fact that he only got 13 games for it makes me even more upset. He shouldn't be playing in that league anymore. There's no room for that, not only in the game, but in sports. And in our interview coming up, uh, me and my guests get into that. But, oh, my goodness, I'm not happy about that. That is that is just absurd. There needs to be an act, at more action taken about that. And the IHF has not weighed in on it yet. So they're going to hopefully do a lot of a better punishment than the Ukrainian Hockey League did. Because that's ridiculous. That's That's terrible, first off. And, and no, it, it just got me, it got me fuming. It's, it's really bad. And even worse, I, that just came over the wire was uh, Eugene, Eugene Kolachev, if that's how I pronounce it right, if I didn't, someone correct me. He tweeted that he is the president of the Ukrainian Hockey Federation, at, or he's at least the president of the league. And he spoke up about, about, against that racism. And <clears throat> guess what happened? They fired him. Something needs to happen. I mean, just the fact that we live in a society where it's still okay for people to behave like that is horrendous. It really is. People need to, people need to behave themselves. There's, there's just no excuse for that behavior. I don't care how mad you are. I don't care what Smerrick did to you. You never act racist and you never act that way about towards someone who's not, who's a different color skin than you. That's just so lowly and so primitive. It's ridiculous. I, I just can't, I, I just can't, it's just terrible. I, I'm just, I don't know. I just don't have any words for that. That's really, that's just awful. Uh, switching gears though, our next, our guest coming up is a good friend of mine. He plays in the DEL now. It's Greg Kreutzer. It was a good chat. We chatted for a little under an hour, about 55 minutes. I think you'll enjoy it, Greg. Greg recently made the transition to pro hockey, so he's learning the ropes. And I think we should actually send it over to Greg. I think we should send it over to him right about now. Okay, our next guest is a good friend of mine. He actually made the jump to the DEL Hockey League in Germany with Fishtown. It's Greg Kreutzer. What's up, Greg? Hey, how's it going, PK? Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just in the hotel now. Just chilling. How's uh, how's the adjustment been to Germany and the DEL? 
Uh, it was Germany specifically at the start. It was a little bit harder just because it's different over here. But uh, over time, like I got to know guys on my team and everything, and it's made the transition a lot easier. So uh, it's been great so far. So good to hear. What has been the biggest culture shock? Uh, from going from America to Germany? Um, obviously, language is a big part of it, but uh, I would just say apartment living and living in the cities in apartments. I'm not really, I'm not used to that yet, um, but everybody's in an apartment. Everybody's around the city. There's bikes everywhere locked up and uh, I'm not, I'm not used to that. So it's, uh, everybody's just walking on the streets in the city, walking to work, walk, biking to work, there's scooter to work. So it's, uh, it's just different. So have you taken uh, have you taken a bike to, to the rink or taken a bike through town or is that still on your bucket list? <laughs> I haven't, I actually haven't bought a bike yet. Um, for my first couple of days, I was actually walking to the rink. It's not too far. Um, but since then I've gotten my car, so it's uh it's a little bit better now. But no, that's uh no, that's good to hear. So going back um a little bit, so you obviously got your start in junior with Drummondville, and luckily enough, you got to actually play with a friend of ours, former guest on the pod, Bobby Lynch. What can you speak to the fact of of having an easier transition when you actually know someone on the team? Uh, it's definitely a lot easier. So Bobby, uh, I knew him, my brother played with him and then we trained in the summers a little bit together. Um, it was a lot easier cause he kind of helped me out, got me in the group with the team and, uh, anything I needed. Like if I was too nervous to go up to the equipment manager or something, ask for something, he would do it for me. So that, that part made it a lot easier. And, uh, but going to this team, I didn't know anybody and, uh, it's a little bit harder, but you just have to be outgoing. And for the most part, guy, we have something in common. We obviously we like hockey. So, uh, it's a little bit easier on that part that we, we all kind of have the same interest in a, in a way. So. Yeah, I think that's definitely an icebreaker when you have common interests. And going back to Bobby, do you have any uh, any uh, stories worth sharing of your time with Bobby in Drummondville? <laughs> uh, there were a lot of good times. We we hung out a lot just because there uh, we knew each other before, obviously, and then two English speakers, so we hung out a lot. Any stories? Uh, not off the top of my head that are any great stories that I can share on this. <laughs> no, that's okay. I funny thing I asked I asked Bobby the same thing about you, and it's kind of funny. Both of you were not able to find any stories, yeah. but that's okay. Uh, another thing I asked him, I'll ask you is, what was it like having the uh, the NHL scout attention uh, at least on your team because you guys in Drummondville, at least your first year, you had some high end talent that was getting looked at like uh, Valeno or Olivia Rodrigue. So what did, what was it like having NHL attention around you guys? 
Uh, it obviously honestly made it a lot more exciting just knowing that there were a lot of people on our team that were high draft picks, so they were going to have their their player development, their scouts there um, to watch the games. So it made it more exciting, and you, you knew eyes were on you all the time, um, whether it be scouts or other teams watching how we played and uh, were eyeing at, had their eye on us. Uh, it made it a lot more exciting. So, yeah, it's good to hear. And also, you got traded to Sherbrooke. Take it. Take us through what happened there, because obviously, trades are a part of a part of the game. And there's something that you. It's not easy to get prepared for. At least there's no real preparation to get trade getting traded. So, what was that experience like? Yeah. So it, we had a really good team in Drumville my second year. Um, so I was 18 for that year and we were going for the championship and we had a lot of guys that were moving on the next year. So our team didn't have a lot of draft picks because they used a lot of them to get certain players like Valeno, Comtois, those kind of players. So uh, the guys that were returning knew there was going to be some kind of change. And so I was kind of ready for it. And um, I didn't know where it would be or if I would get traded or anything. But uh, when I heard, pretty excited because I knew they were a younger team and there was a lot of promise to the team. Um, so I was definitely excited. I didn't take it bad or anything. I just look forward to getting to Sherbrooke. Yeah, for sure. And going back quick uh, to Comtois, what was the reaction around the room when Comtois gets back from the World Junior? And obviously, for those that are unfamiliar, Comtois was Team Canada's captain at the World Juniors that year in Vancouver in 2019. And I believe he missed a penalty shot against Finland. And this was like the quarterfinal game they lost. And it was just really It was really sad to see how people reacted online, especially uh, all the harsh comments. So what was it, what was the atmosphere like in the room when he came back from the world juniors and especially after the kind of cyberbullying he faced in the week before? Yeah. I mean, obviously no one should go through that. Uh, it was really bad what happened. Um, but it, he took it the right way and he was kind of an advocate for cyberbullying after that. Um, went through a couple, I believe he did a commercial or something like that um, to try to stop cyberbullying and try to take his platform kind of and uh, say what he thought, which is the right thing. Is no one should ever go through that. Um, but I think guys were obviously on his side and knew that none of it should be going on. Uh, but it wasn't like we were we were with him, but it wasn't brought up a ton in the room just because you shouldn't have to go back to those comments that were made and everything on social media. So, yeah. And for me, what's crazy is the fact that these guys that are on Team Canada and I guess every team in the World Junior is that they're only 19, they're only 19, they're only 
20 to even 16 years old. They're so young. And I just don't understand what, what gives people online the right to treat them that way, or at least in the fact of give them such a hard time like that when they're so young and they're still, they're still developing their mind and their body. So it's just wild that people not only take it so seriously, but they feel they have to step over that line and cross it and say hateful things. I, it's just beyond me. Yeah. It, I think people forget the fact that they're so young just because mm-hmm. it's such a high platform that they're on. Everybody that likes hockey is generally watching the world juniors and it's a great event, but people sometimes forget they're anywhere from 16 to 19 years old. Um, and then the fact that people are behind a screen and they don't, they would never say that to Comtois if they were in person. Um, that's what I think the problem was is people can hide behind the screen and not realize what could have actually like Comtois took it the right way, but if he took it the wrong way, it could have gone a totally different what like outcome. So it, it was just bad all around. So at least he took it the right way. At least he took the right approach. And a similar example is I talked about this with a previous guest about the English national team with the Euro finals uh, this summer. And the guy, I think it was Saka who missed the penalty kick to win it for Italy. He's only 19 years old yet. People were racist to him online. It it's that, it's that same thing of people forgot that, he was so young and is on one of the biggest stages of the world. It's like people, yeah. it's just crazy what pe- the lengths people go to sometimes. Yeah. Even, even if they're not so young, like that say something behind the screen that they don't know how that person's going to take it, even in person. But in most cases it's behind the screen that uh, even if they're, they're younger and the person that, they're attacking is older it, it just doesn't make it right it, I don't understand it at all so I don't I don't either and I think uh as part of the larger conversation smart there's been a lot of great things with smartphones there's been a lot of great things with technology but I think the one downside is that I feel like there's more cowards that are out there I feel like it's so easy to just hide behind your screen and say something hateful where if you were, if you really had any balls or any spine whatsoever, you would say it to someone's face, but people won't because they know the repercussions of saying something to someone's face. Normally it'd be, you're going to, you're going to get your teeth punched in, which you would deserve if you said something hateful like that. And I guess even current currently, what, uh, what'd you make of the suspension that the, that the Ukrainian, uh, the player in the Ukrainian league got for, for his racist, uh motion yeah obviously that doesn't belong not even sport in life uh in general but you know the i from my understanding the ihf hasn't come out with their um their suspension yet that was just the league correct Mm -hmm. yeah the the uhl uh the ukrainian league I think suspended him like thir- like 10 or 13 games. Nothing. Sh- he should have gotten more games, but you are right. The IIHF has not come out with their suspension, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, I don't agree with, I'm sure, a lot of people. And I think 
that just came out. So I think there'll be a lot more said about it, but I personally thought that he would get a lot more than that. Same. Um, it doesn't, that kind of stuff doesn't belong in the sport and life and anything. Uh, if you can do something like that, even if he was heated and emotions were high in the game, something happened to him they didn't like to bring that into it. it, it I don't agree with that at all. And I don't think a lot of people do. So, yeah, it, no matter what happens, I don't think that, I don't think racism's ever the move. And yeah, it, it's just such a, I think it's just such a tough look, not only for that league, but for the game of hockey in general, that our game has someone so prejudiced and someone in, this, in essence, so hateful like that. And it's just terrible. I, I think he should have gotten a bigger suspension. And a lot of us uh, in our group chat internally were saying, why didn't he get a bigger suspension? It's, it doesn't make any sense. And I, th- I think so the 13 games, I think when this guy gets back in the lineup, I would not be surprised if someone on the opposing team when they play them next, just doesn't, just doesn't beat, beat him up. Just doesn't pummel his face in the next time they play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot to go on because the IHF is going to have to do something in my mm. opinion. Um, but, and I think it'll be a lot harsher, but, uh i guess it's still an occurring event thing that happened so um i guess we'll have to see what they do hopefully they do the right thing but no yeah absolutely and a little note on the ihf i'll bring up was i saw i saw a post with a good friend of ours uh, the professor igor larianov he was with he was in st petersburg with the I think it was the president, the uh, president of the IHF, Rene Fessel, who he just got inducted in IHF Hall of Fame. So, congrats to Rene, who's I think he's done a I think he's done a good job with the IHF uh, in the past few years. And I guess even uh, going on that note, what is um, what has the professor meant to to your playing career so far? As you, we've both known him for a number of years. Uh, everything. Uh to put it in the simplest terms, but when I was 16, I, uh, playing my 16 year, I was playing for CompuWare and, uh, I, after the season, I didn't have a lot of options and he got me the invite to the camp in Drummondville, um, to basically give me a chance at doing something. And, uh, from there he's just helped me throughout my Q career um and then even to get me to germany he did a lot to help me over to get over here so without him i don't know if i would still be playing to be honest so it's uh it's meant everything yeah for those that don't know a lot about igor larianov the professor or a lot about him or his career. I think you should explore. I, I personally can't say enough about him. I think he's a wonderful person, highly intelligent. And I I just think he, he's a great, he's a great mentor too. So I, I can't say enough about him either. And uh, a funny story he told me was um, as many people know, he was a good, a really good chess player. And so he obviously brought the chess uh, board on the plane in Detroit and, 
as you know, it, it didn't go well. He uh, he beat everyone pretty handily. So they had a I forget where, but they had a day off, and he was at the mall, and he sees Shanahan walking by, so he stops him. Turn like, and it turns out Shanahan came out of a bookstore. Well, the book that Shanahan got was Chess for Dummies. Oh really? Yeah. So <laughs> Shanahan. Oh yeah. So Shanahan was trying to basically learn some way, some strategy to play chess, but su- suffice to say, it did not did not go as well as he would have hoped. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to play Igor. Neither would I. I don't no. think I would go in that. <laughs> no, and like I, I don't consider myself a stupid person by any means, but I would not go out. He would dummy me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh my goodness! And um, speaking of him, and obviously uh, Igor the second. For those that don't know, during the during the summer in 2020, when not a lot was open, uh, me, Igor, Greg, and a bunch of our friends, we played. Uh, we played soccer. We would play soccer. Every week, I would join them a few weeks when I would go up to Detroit and train with them and things like that. Uh, so, Greg, what can you speak of uh, playing soccer? And even another interesting note, Greg ended up taking up the mantle of soccer goalie. And I think I think Greg would be happy with that decision as opposed to being another position in the sport. Yeah, so soccer, it's uh... – I never played, well, I played when I was really young. I think a lot of people did, but, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not very good with the ball. I, it's, it's not a pretty sight when I have a soccer <laughs> ball. So, so I actually played goalie because, uh, I had a problem with my knees, so I couldn't run around too much at the beginning. And, uh, so I just played goalie cause I wanted to be part of it. And, I saw what especially Igor Jr. was doing with the ball and some of the other guys were pretty good too. And uh, I didn't want to be embarrassed to be honest. So I just (laughs) stayed in that, uh, stayed in that. And it it was fun. It was, I got scored on quite a bit, but uh, it was a good time. (laughs) Yeah. And so speaking of Greg playing goalie, I would say, let me think about this. I would say like four or five times a game, I I would I played when I was playing with him I'd play midfield. I would turn around and see the ball go in on Greg. <laughs> and I just see Igor just give Greg this look like, "Greg, stop the ball." <laughs> he was so yeah. mad at Greg every time. He's like, "Greg, what are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was uh I think he expected a little bit more out of me than I could give and a sock on a soccer pitch so it's called so uh, pitch, yep but uh but yeah it was a good time <laughs> yeah and honestly the thing that for me was pretty funny was I didn't expect it to be as competitive as it was for those that do, don't know oh my goodness it we got so heated out there maybe even even more than when we would skate together like like to be honest we all of us got so into it, so competitive. It was wild, but I kept going back to it. And I kept thinking it's a better way to run, run around than just being on the treadmill. So it was, it was nice to not only get a good amount of running in on a Saturday morning. So you have the rest of the day to do whatever, but so- soccer is a fun game. And it was just, it was just a lot of fun to play. And obviously we even had like team Instagram, like 
we were just totally into it. It was, it was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. So the competitive thing, I think it was mostly hockey players that were in there. There were a few others, but Mm -hmm. I think that side of us, just if we want, if we play a game, we want to win and uh, having soccer be our weekend time off from training if you want to call it that it was Mm -hmm. a lot of running anyways but uh but I think to have a competitive game that everybody wants to win and everybody it just makes it better time if it as opposed to if it was just for fun and score didn't matter and people that play sports minds they they want to win everything they do so yeah and and even the funny thing was when I when I came uh, I was there for two weeks originally in the summer and we it, it was only a once a week thing. So Saturday you play, then it's not played till next Saturday. But for what, for, for some reason, when I was there, we played Saturday and almost it's not even instantaneously later that Saturday, people are like, let's play Sunday. Let's let's play Sunday. <laughs> because I think what we did was we, we would basically almost play like a best of seven. So I think if our team team red, if we won, we would have won like that series. So we came back and played on, on Sunday and lo and behold, we got the job done, which was fun. And obviously we got the, the team photo, which was uh, pretty funny. Yeah. 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 It was, it was definitely a good time. Yeah, it was, it was really enjoyable. for sure. <laughs> um, and yeah, Greg, and honestly, as, as most people know, when you get more repetitions at things, you get better. Greg got better, honestly, as goalie from every game, at least that I played, Greg got better at goalie. Yeah. I, I don't think you were there the first game. Were you? No, I came okay. in July. I was there in July and then August before the party. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The first game, I think I got scored on 10 plus times. I, <laughs> I think it, I, so it was, it was rough. And uh, <laughs> I, Got better and better. And I think <clears throat> having Igor not get mad, but kind of expect more out of me, and because he really wanted to win, and so mm-hmm. did I. But having that person that, if you let one in, he's going to come to you, and if it was your fault or my fault, obviously, and uh, having that, I, I think I upped my game a little bit. So shout out to Igor for getting. Uh, a little upset if I let one in. <laughs> yeah, I could say the same thing, even being a midfielder. Sometimes a play wouldn't go my way or something would happen. And you kind of look at me and be like, hey, pick it up. Let's go. So I'd be like, okay, shoot. And even go back to goalie, what do you think was the toughest part of being a soccer goalie? I think knowing when to go out of the net, if that makes sense. So, like, if they're coming at you – uh sometimes I would just stay back because I don't want the pass to go across. Right. Mm-hmm. And most of the time that pass is covered because there's so many people out there and yeah, I, I wouldn't know when to charge out to give them less of an angle for the net. So uh, Igor is giving me tips here and there. And I think it helped a little bit because we, we did pretty well. Absolutely. And I think the one tip I think that helped that at least I remember hearing from him was, the phrase when in doubt punch it out 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I never, I didn't even know goalies punch the ball in soccer until he told me. So it was something that I learned and I used once in a while. I wasn't very good at it. But. <laughs> yeah, when you think about it, as the goalkeeper at soccer is the only player on the pitch that can actually use their hands. So when you think about it, it makes sense that they're allowed to actually punch it away since no other player can use their hands or else it's a stoppage. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, spe- and uh, even speaking of the party, what did you, uh, what I've asked all the, pretty much all the guys have had on from it, but what did you make of uh, his, his 22nd birthday party? It was great. I honestly didn't expect all that. I, I knew we were dressing up. I knew everything, but I didn't know there was going to be that much effort into it. And uh, it was actually a really good time. So. Yeah, it was fun. And the one thing for me was, um, so first, obviously, I interviewed Greg also on the red carpet that that those some of those highlights are on my Instagram. But I remember the whole few weeks leading up to it, Greg, Greg was being playful. He was he was joking around in the chat where he goes, oh, I'm not like, oh, I'm not going to dress her up. I'm not I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And and junior junior the whole time is like, dude, my dad's not letting you in the park if you're not up to dress code. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I was going to dress up the whole time. I just wanted to poke his buttons, play around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was the wise move, obviously, because even even some of the places uh, Igor and I and Gretz, like that we went to in L.A., some of these places, man, if you don't wear the right shoes, like you can't wear open toed shoes or if, even if you have shorts, you will not get entry into the restaurant yeah yeah it was that way um in vegas i went this summer and there's a lot of uh dress code not dress code but if you weren't wearing nice clothes you weren't they weren't letting people in so that party was uh everybody was dressed ah by the way i do not think there was a person without a tie all right let me just Go ahead, go ahead. Contacts real quick. There was a person that came to the party. I won't mention their name, but no tie. And this is like a formal, formal event, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I came in a tie and people actually were quite surprised what I wore. I was surprised. Was, 100%. Uh, there were, yeah, but there was an award for worst dressed. Oh, <laughs> and I do not think I deserve that award, but dude, it was a tough one because not no one looked bad. Honestly, shoot, if I had to give that to someone else, I would have said Nick Nicholas easily. Yeah, yeah. Nicholas, was... yeah, tough, yeah. but <laughs> tough look for him. But no, I mean, let me think. Yeah, we um, we all saw Greg. We were we we thought, you know Greg cleaned up well that night. Um, yeah, it, it's tough, but. To be fair, at least you still won something. Some people didn't win anything. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. I wanted to interview Nick because we were going to – one of the awards that was, like, biggest simp, and Nick was a nominee. And I just remember hearing Nick just go, what, as Nick normally does. And <laughs> I, I kind of wish I would have gotten his reaction on camera because he would have just been, like uh, – he would have been shocked. It would have been – Yeah. <laughs> it would it, it would have yeah, been, been so wild. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. It would have been wild. Um, also, what was the, t- take us through the process of getting a German passport, because obviously you needed one to play in the DEL. Right. Um, it was, so Igor got me with um, a German agent um, over here that uh, knew, oh, he knows a lot about the league and what has to be done. And um, he was talking to Fishtown um, and their general manager is was part of the process to get the passport. But my family comes from Germany. Mm. so there's uh there's a way i needed a bunch of documents to prove they were they came from germany um and it ended up working out it it took a little bit of time but i was really happy when i got the call that it worked out so yeah it's good to hear how was the how was the travel over to germany it honestly so I played with Europeans. I actually roomed with a European in uh, Sherbrooke, but in the Quebec league, you're allowed two Europeans. And I always heard about jet lag mm-hmm. when, when they came over and I was like, Oh, come on. It can't be that bad. Like it's just a plane ride. Like you're, you're on the plane. I know there's a time difference, but it doesn't take that long to get re- used to it. And on my way over here, I left my house in Detroit at about 3 p.m. And uh, there's a six-hour difference from Germany mm. and Detroit. So I got to Bremerhaven, which is where the team is, at uh, three, like around 3 p.m. And I couldn't sleep on the plane. So uh, when I got there, I was so tired. And a lot of people were told me after that I should have pushed through it and just stayed up until nighttime but I had to go to sleep like I was so tired and uh it was a big mistake because it took probably three four days to get used to the time difference and everything in my sleep schedule just because I went to sleep around three so I woke up at like eight and then I was wide awake for that night so it took a while to get used to so I Definitely won't say anything about jet lag anymore because I went through it. Yeah. So PSA for those out there, for those that are listening and watching, jet lag is real. Number one. Number two, do what you can to avoid jet lag. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my advice would be to push through that first day and sleep at their normal nighttime. Because if you don't, you go to sleep right away it's going to take longer to get used to. So, Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. And going back to Sherbrooke, I mean, what did it feel like to get a a ring stolen from you? Yeah, that one was a tough one. So we had a really good team. We were ranked first in the CHL. um, And we had had a streak before it all shut down of like, I want to say like 12 games in a row we won or something like that. Um, And everything seemed to be working. And the playoffs that year were structured. So you would play like your your division, the first round and second round. And then you would swap to the other division 
but they would reseed. So the top two teams of each division would go like that win, go into the semifinals, and then they would reseed. Yeah. So we wouldn't have played a, a top five team in our league until the finals. Mm-hmm. So we we had a pretty good we would have had a pretty good run, I would think, mm-hmm. um, to at least make it to the finals and then battle it out from there. But, uh, yeah, that was tough because I remember it was the German league, actually, that closed or shut down first. And um, one of my teammates saw that, and they were like, what if, what if it happens to us? And I was like, I don't think so. Like, that's in Germany. It's – far ways away and sure enough a few days later we get uh, a meeting that basically suspended our season and then about a week week and a half after that that's when it all all was canceled so it was tough but it's how life goes <laughs> yeah it was it's crazy to think that that was almost two, like it's going to be uh, this march two years ago and yeah, just you saw the wave of leagues just shut down. And yeah, it was tough, especially since, yeah, you guys had a really good team and you were hot. And yeah, it just sucks when things come crashing to an end. But you had at the end of the day, you had to look out for everyone's safety, you had to look out for everyone's health. And it just wasn't the right move to to have that happen and to keep playing as unfortunate right, as right. it was for you, because you guys would have had a good chance at the ring. Yeah, right. So when it first happened, obviously I was really mad and everything. And now that we know more about what actually happened or is happening, I I can understand it more. But at first I was like, this is a new thing. Like nobody knew much about it. And I was like, come on, just like, and there's not that there's two months left. It's not going to be that big of a deal. And then now that I look back on it, I, I understand what the, why they did what they did. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, no, it's tough, man. It it's tough at the but at the same time they they made the right call. And how was the process of even going back this past year to Sherbrooke when obviously COVID was still a big factor, especially getting over. Yeah, it was it was honestly the craziest year for me. So. What happened was I went back home uh, once our season shut down. The, um, what would that have been? Uh, been March 2019-20? Oh, yeah, it was March of 2020. Yeah, so 2019-20 year got canceled. I went back home. Um, not thinking that borders would close because of this or anything. It was still new. And so I went back home, and my plan – was to go back there and we were supposed to have a good team again. Um, so it was, it was going to be okay. And right after the Igor's party, actually was, that was in August. Yep. August. And um, so like the day after that, I went and I, I drove to the border cause that's when I would normally go for camp and I had paperwork with me and everything. And drove to the border, went into the building, and they basically said, like, you're not getting in. It, the border's closed. You can't do anything about it. You're not getting in. So I was like, okay, called my coach. 
told him and he's like, okay, just wait around for a little bit. We have a camp, so you might miss that, but the league's working on paper or working with the government to uh, get the European and American players in. So I was like, okay. So I went back and it wasn't till December that I tried the league didn't get uh, they didn't get the paperwork needed to let European or American players in yet, but it was still it was further along. And so my team wanted me to try to fly. So in December, I flew from Detroit to New Jersey. In New Jersey, I was going to Montreal. And once I got to New Jersey, they were checking everybody before if they would be be able to be let into the country. So they weren't going to let me on the plane at first, but then I kind of convinced them to just let me try and get to the customs and see what they say. So got to Montreal, got to the customs, and I was sitting there for probably like two hours just waiting to talk to somebody. And they said the same thing. They said, uh, because I tried to use school, I was going to go to school over there. But they said, it's not going to work. Like, you can't come in. So I had to stay in Montreal that night and fly back the next morning. And so it was was a mess. And um, so I flew back. And then my coach said, wait a little bit longer. They're really close to getting the paperwork. And it was that was December. And in January, I was like, okay, I need, I need to play. It's, this is getting, this is dragging on. And the queue is shutting down, like starting and stopping a lot. And I was actually going to go to the USHL to play for Muskegon. And it was really close. And then my coach in Sherbrooke said, uh, we want you to try one more time to fly. And so I was all for it. So the next morning, actually, I flew out and I flew to Toronto and the officer there, they knew that I was turned back twice because it was on my record. And he asked me about that first. And then I was told him why and everything. And then he, he asked me if there's anybody he could call. So I gave him my coach's number and talked to my coach. And about 10 minutes later, he came and gave a visitor's pass to me and just let me through. So I was definitely really happy about that. And then I had to do a two-week quarantine, and then I was finally able to play. So it was a, it was a roller coaster last year. But <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, for that sounds like a first shout-out to that customs guy. Oh, my goodness. What a, what yeah. a homie he was just be. Just saying, hey, who do I need to who who can you call? Who can I call? Here, call talk to my coach. Blah blah blah. All right, you're in. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Dude, how but to be honest, how deflating was it when you flew to Montreal and they're like, no, you can't get in. So what'd you have to fly back to Jersey and then Detroit? Uh I actually bought a different ticket just to fly straight to Detroit because I didn't want to go through it. But um mm. 
but it was definitely really deflating. So it was really weird because I was, so I was in the airport and I thought I was going to have to stay in the airport Mm -hmm. because they were obviously COVID and come from the States. It was bad in the States. So thought I was gonna have to stay in the airport but I was able to go to any hotel that I wanted to for that night but I had to fly out the next morning they kept my passport so I had to fly out the next morning but it was just really weird I don't know it was it was strange last year so yeah and I guess the only question I had was so while you were waiting, so you said uh, you got turned back, and this was the Windsor border you got turned back at, right? Right. In Detroit. So you got turned back at Windsor. And so that was what you said you had to wait like three months almost till you try to fly. My question is, yeah. um, so I think the USHL started later. When the USHL eventually started, was there any reason you didn't at least try to play on a USHL team first until the you were able to get uh, over it was because you would have to transfer. So I actually almost did. Um, Lincoln was the team that uh, was, I was almost going to, but what you have to do is you have to transfer completely from Sherbrooke to that USHL team. And then when you want to go, you have to, that team has to release you and go to Sherbrooke. So there's no like guarantees and I'm not even on Sherbrooke's roster while I'm transferred out, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. it does. like I wouldn't even be on their roster and then I would be on the USHL roster and then I, they would have to do a, another complete transfer to go to the USHL team to go to the queue. So I, I just didn't, and I didn't know if the USHL would keep going because nobody knew. Um, what would happen so if i transferred and then ushl shuts down completely it'd just be a waste and a waste of time so it was i think for me just training was the same thing almost uh obviously i wanted to get some games in but for me training was a big thing during that time so it it worked out yeah, it's good to hear that it worked out. It definitely, like you said, it was a bizarre circumstance that you got turned away twice. And yeah, especially for me, if I that like the, the Quebec flight when you flew into Montreal and they're like, no, I just would have been like, are you kidding me? It's like, what do you want me to do yeah. here? Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah, the crazy thing, though, is after I was already in, I think teams around the league found out that I was in. And there were about four or five Russian players that were property of QMJHL teams. And so they all flew together on the same plane with the same paperwork into either Toronto or Montreal, one of those two. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I believe only two got in and the oh, others had shoot. to go back. So it was, it was, it was crazy, but I feel for those Russian guys. That's like those guys who didn't get in. That's such a pain. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. I, I, my flight was only like two hours. Theirs was uh, a lot longer. A lot longer. Yes. 
And speaking of the queue, you got to play against uh, Alexis Lafreniere. What was it like playing against someone who, who was highly touted like that, especially who went first overall? Yeah, it was special. It was uh, just to see how I was compared to him, if I could defend defend him. And uh, uh, he was 16 and I was 17 when my first year in his first year. So everybody knew he was a special player and uh, he definitely showed it. He, I mean, some of the things he did on the ice were really, really great, but um, it was just nice to see how I compared. And if I, I always wanted to play against the best players just so I can uh, push myself to kind of be able to beat them in a sense uh, to defend him. Um, it was, it was great. Yeah, absolutely. It's always nice when you can get those measuring stick matchups, not only when you're playing against certain teams that are measuring stick game, but just, those game within a game matchups. I think those are very valuable within sports. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And even like practice, I always wanted to go against the best players just to push myself and see, because if you play against the best players, if you practice with the best players, you become better. And uh, it was the case with a lot of players in the queue. I wanted to, it was, a, yeah, it was a little, intimidating at some points playing against some players but it was a challenge as well so 100 and switching gears a big part of greg's personality and who he is is uh his love for country music greg where did your love for country music start <laughs> i it started with my dad so when i was in the car when i was young um he would always listen to country music and I think it just kind of grew on me. And then I took a little bit of a break from it. And then uh, I went to a Kenny Chesney concert. How old was I? 15, 16, 16. It had to be. Um, and I think that's what really took off from there after that concert. So <laughs> And what uh what artist did your dad play when you were younger, if you can even remember? I believe like for Zach Brown band, Florida Georgia Line were big ones uh, that I remember. That it was mostly on the radio, but they were a big part of the radio station. So yeah, it makes sense. So when you're driving around, is the is the country station mainly if what you have on when you have the radio on? Because I know nowadays at least radio isn't hugely as big in the car in cars now it's more of like an aux or obviously bluetooth yeah yeah so when i have the radio on it's always country and when uh you're not always but most of the time it's country and my playlist on my phone is mostly country so when i'm uh well, I'm listening to music in the car uh, 99 times out of 100, I would say it's uh, country. <laughs> so would you say you don't mix in any other genres of music then? <laughs> uh, well, before a game, I'll, I'll play different music in the car. Um, but uh, other than that, when I'm working out, 
I still like to listen to country, <laughs> but, <laughs> which is a little strange, but uh, I'd say the only time I mix it up is on the way to a game. So at those uh, Barwis workouts, you're listening to country? <laughs> no, I don't control that. So it was uh, sometimes there's a country song that goes on, but no, I get that. Um, how do you like uh, training at Barwis? Uh, it's good. I I actually didn't this past summer because I had a wrist problem. I broke my wrist uh, at the end of the se- last season, but and I couldn't do it a lot of stuff so i've trained with my dad this summer but uh barber's workouts are great they're you're always tired right after it's a long workout and uh obviously with the people they have going there and some they're doing something right so no that makes sense for sure uh i've never worked out there i've mainly trained at the i think the superior michigan gym 2sp yeah i've done that one too (laughs) yep shout out shout out joe neal uh so a game i want to play with you is uh we're gonna play start bench cut and for you obviously being a country music guy i have some country music artists that i want to have you weigh in on i won't be weighing in on them just for obvious reasons but i just want i want to hear your input on it so first we're gonna go luke bryan luke combs and blake shelton Ooh. Uh, I definitely start Luke Combs. Uh, he's, he, I think he's my favorite right now. So start Luke Combs. I'd have to bench, uh, Luke Bryant or, uh, Blake Sheldon and, uh, cut Luke or Luke Bryan. Wait. Okay. So why would you uh, cut Luke Bryan? Just the other two, Luke Combs, my favorite right now, and then uh, Blake Sheldon, obviously. I mean, Luke Bryan's a big star too, but Blake Sheldon, I, I, I listen to more of his music. So Blake Blake Sheldon is well accomplished for sure, and especially he's done uh, big things like being one of the personalities on The Voice. Right, right. Which, which yeah. if anyone has not yeah. seen The Voice, it's a good show. Should check it out. Really good show. Really yes, good show. Good, yeah. good show. Next, uh, this one, I think this one's a little old school. Johnny Cash, George Strait, and Tim McGraw. Ooh. I would start. I would say Johnny Cash. Just his uh it's he's got some classics. Uh I would bench George Strait, and then I would cut Tim McGraw. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Johnny Cash, yeah, he's got a lot of great songs, as many people know. Which, what do you think is your favorite Johnny Cash song? I know a lot of people love the song "Hurt" or "Walk the Line." I would, I would say that the "Hurt." It's uh. I don't know. He's got a lot of good ones. Uh, He's well decorated for sure. Yeah, as a country yeah, star, he is. Yeah. And then the last yeah. one's gonna be female. Uh, we got Carrie Underwood, Dolly Parton, and Miranda Lambert. Oof. I would have to start Carrie Underwood. Um, I mean, not just her country songs. She also has the Sunday Night Football song. So I mean, 
that's those yeah, are, exactly. that's huge too, especially the Sunday Night Football sign. <laughs> yeah, uh, Miranda Lambert, I would bench, and Dahlia would cut, but it's hard. That one's hard. I, I feel know. like a, I feel like a lot of people are gonna, especially country fans that are listening, are gonna are not gonna be happy with you cutting Dolly Parton, especially. I know. I know. A lot of people people love Dolly Parton, especially. I know she has a good relationship. Miley Cyrus has a very good relationship with Dolly Parton. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I didn't want to do it. But I don't know. I just don't listen to a lot of a lot of her stuff, and I, I listen to more of the other two. So, <laughs> no, that makes sense. But no, that's that's fair. Um, so I, I guess a funny uh, thing also I, I'll say is when I was uh, talk, I, I talked to the professor. He actually thought it'd be a good idea to get to bring you on the podcast so I was gonna say who would you like to see me interview who would I um who would I like to see you interview I think uh who would be a good one who we know like who we know or it could be anyone it could be anyone anyone yeah. Anyone. Yeah, I like um, talking to people. I I think have you done Arthur yet? Bike? No, I've not done bike. Yeah. I would love to. I he's, think that he's so funny. I think that'd be a good one. Especially yeah. if he can open up and uh I think he'll have a lot a lot of good stuff to say. There's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Quick so uh, I think uh good. I think he'd be an interesting one just because he's he doesn't open up a ton, but I think on something like this, he would uh he would definitely. So of course, two things I'll say about bike, uh friend of the program, is first in our group chat, he that's the one time he actually does open up and oh my goodness, he's so funny in our group chat. He is, yeah. He's hilarious. When he, when he opens up, he's he's really funny. And I played with them on uh, Compuware and Little Caesars. And uh, some of the stuff he would do would be really funny, but he wouldn't do it a lot because when mm-hmm. – especially when he was younger, a lot, if a lot of people were around, it was – he was more to himself, but which I understand I was too. And um, – but if he opened up, it would be a, I think it'd be really interesting. So Greg, where can people find you on social media, especially as you're embarking on your pro career, especially in the Dell? Uh, so Instagram is Kreitzer 15. Um, Twitter, I believe is the same, but I don't use Twitter that much. I just follow sports pages and stuff to see. I don't post anything. So uh, Instagram would be the best one. Yeah, and to spell that for those at home, it's K-R-E-U-T-Z-E-R in Kreutzer. Yeah, uh, Greg, thanks for thanks for hopping on. It was fun to catch up, and we wish you all of us wish you the best of luck this year in the DEL. Thank you very much for having me, PK. No problem, Greg. Huge thanks to my friend Greg Kreutzer for hopping on. It was it was good to chat. I haven't seen Greg since the party last, which I think was which was a lot of fun. So it was nice to, to chat and a little anecdote. I wanted to go on to finish today's episode. Uh, so I guess a weird thing in today's world or just things in general would be 
doing things by yourself. And what I'm elaborating on is if there's one thing I want to leave the listeners with, I would say if there's something you want to do and you don't necessarily have anyone to go with or you ask people and they aren't able to, well, I think you should just go. I think you should. If there's a movie you want to see, if you, there's a restaurant you want to go to, if there's a park you want to go to, if there's a museum you want to go to, like whatever it is, listen, at the end of the day, if you want to do something and you want to go somewhere, I think you should make it happen. And I'm speaking on personal experience. I've, it's weird. I've recently found solace in the fact that I can do things by myself and be at peace with myself and be happy with it. Now, don't get me wrong. When I go with someone else, obviously it's a lot better. I'm human. What can I say? But I don't know. I, I just find that it's, it's very nice when I can go by myself and I can actually enjoy some, some peace of mind. At least I can be alone with my own thoughts. And I know for everyone that's, they're not there yet and that's okay. It takes time to get there. And I know it's hard for some people being in their, in their own thoughts and it takes practice and it takes just repetition of that. But yeah, I just think you, I think if that's holding you back with just not being able to <clears throat> go somewhere without someone or you really, really want to go, go with a friend, but they can't, I think you should just do it by yourself. And it's weird, especially the movies, because I, the reason I like going to the movies by myself is I'm the one who's watching. It's not, I'm not, you know, going there just so someone else can watch it. I'm not, I'm watching. So at the end of the day, <clears throat> I'm forming my own opinion of that film. So I want to pay attention and I just mainly focus, I hone it on the movie and then I'll, I make my, <laughs> I make my prediction and I'm, or not prediction, I make my assessment on it and my thoughts on it and my opinion. So that's, that's what I think. And yeah, I just think if there's one thing I'm going to leave you with, leave you listeners with and viewers on YouTube would be, if there's something you want to do, just go do it. As always, podcast Instagram, PK's Place Podcast, and personal Instagram, p.hughes15. Uh, this, as you're listening to it, this, this is going to be a Monday release. Uh, like I said, since I'm in school right now, uh, the release dates are going to fluctuate either midweek or early, early of the week. Just depends on availability of guests and things like that. And yeah, that's all I have. That's all I have for everyone. Uh, don't, don't lose faith out there. Life, life's a, life's a marathon. Life's, life's a long, life's a process. Life's a long journey. So if for anyone that's struggling or anyone that's not doing their best, hang in there. You got this. You're going to, you're capable of so many amazing things and it, the universe is going to throw you a stone. It's going to turn around for you. So that being said, everyone have a good, have a good rest of your week and I'll see everyone next week. I'm <laughs> sorry.